0: Hi, you're listening to Andrew Farris on NXS Access All Areas with Hayden and B. Check it out.
1: Welcome to InXS, access all areas. My name is B, and I will be co-hosting this series of podcasts with my excess nerd, Hayden Murdoch. We will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in Excess, sharing music, tours, videos, albums and oh so much more.
2: Welcome to NXS Access All Areas, episode 41B. We break out of the top 40 charts. Big week for NXS. We want to get this band the Rock Hall of Fame. They weren't inducted or nominated this week, but we shall persevere with this podcast. How are you?
1: I'm very good, thank you, Hayden. How are you?
2: Not bad, not bad. We're one day out of lockdown part three here, so uh, feeling liberated that we're able to actually uh, exist as a normal human and mix and mingle and say hello and leave our homes uh, after a, a, a snap five-day lockdown here in Melbourne.
1: Okay. I was very quick to say, yes, I'm okay. I'm actually not very happy because Mark Zuckerberg oh. has actually um, flicked the button on us on Facebook.
2: Well, I think he's done that with half of the, well, the general media, you know, any particular entity in Australia that represents news. Mm. He's trying to teach us Philistines down here a lesson about <laughs> how much you need me. I'm only worth a trillion dollars and he has pulled his uh, facebook sort of anything that resembles news uh yeah. sort of deleted them and we're not we're one of about uh oh, 15 million today in australia that's we, happened to
1: ah oh, we are so yes, yeah, sad face sad face but hey it's nice to have a bit of time off i suppose
2: <laughs> well look we can pivot we can adjust uh life existed pre-facebook and you know maybe one day we'll have to exist post facebook <gasps> so uh we soldier on
1: <laughs> all right well it'll be a quiet evening that's that's for sure <laughs>
2: Well, look, maybe a little bit less buzzes and pop ups, but uh, I don't really know what it means anyway. I'm not on it a lot. So, you know, it's, you know, rather talk about NXS than type about NXS, mm-hmm. don't we?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, both. Oh, uh,
2: you're not very convinced for <laughs> <into> that reply. <laughs> <laughs> anyway,
3: I'm, looking, how's your I'm, like, I'm looking at my
1: list, actually. I'm not really listening to you. What can I tell you? Oh, I've been a couple of things. We've got to start asking everybody to save the date. The eighth of May is coming up very quickly. Before we know right. it, three months away. So, so just what's say the
2: eighth of May, just to remind me again.
1: It was our first birthday, Hayden.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Where are we going a year? We made it. Sorry, nine months.
1: Got three months near. Yeah, we done nine months, nine months, okay. and nearly twenty thousand downloads.
2: Oh. so we've only got like uh, my calculations about fourteen point three years to go. <laughs>
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've got lots of lovely ideas, but because it's COVID, they might change. So just save the date, everybody, for the eighth of May. Just be with us, or be mindful of us, and at least anyway.
2: Well, speaking of episodes, last week we did talk about the Love Album uh, or Mm. the Love Album, depending on which way you phrase it, but a little bit of feedback, a little bit of positive feedback, some interesting (laughs) feedback overall. It was very engaging uh, from our listeners who uh, had their pros and cons about our list of 14. Anything stand out for you, B, through your correspondence with people?
1: They all loved it, even the one that I thought didn't like it. Actually, right. didn't like it. Who's been so castric. Right. Okay. Is that Dr. Jim? <laughs> Dr. Jim, yes. I said, Phew, I thought I'd upset you.
2: <laughs> right. No, not at all. Well, look, we had a bit of fun last week. I actually had to listen back to it and I found myself chuckling. So I guess if I could laugh at myself, it must have uh, had some humor to it. Uh, at the same time, I guess it did sort of touch upon some more serious themes about relationships and love and family and partners and lost loves. And um, yeah, it was, it was a fun one to do, B.
1: Mm, Very much. Um, While we're talking about family, I'd like to just um, give a big shout out to um, Carmen and to her mom, because they're struggling at the moment and just want to send out a lot of love to Carmen.
2: Yeah, hear, hear. In terms of this week, well, it's going to be an interesting week this week. We'll probably welcome our patrons before we go ahead of anything, but uh, we uh, have our honorary patron we always like to welcome at the start of the show, which is Nick Egan. And uh, we have a gentleman who is pressing claims uh, with, I think, about a four episode contribution to (laughs) make claims for honorary patron knighthood. Uh, We will elaborate on that a bit later. But um, over to you, B, with uh, the welcome to all of our valued patrons. I'd like to say hello to everybody outside on the highway. Let's
3: all say hello to everybody outside. It's about 10,000 people at least.
1: Hello. Hello, and thank you to Nick Egan, Pedro, and Marie. Foxy, Felicia, Sarah Markram, Laurie, Carmen, Sudie, Matt Dean, Joe Robbins, Mandy, Linda, Danielle, Doctor Jim, Amanda H, Leon, Lisa Urban, Lisa Calloway, Lisa Mack, Kathy, Carrie Ann, Vern, Caroline, Tracy, Susan B, Susan P. David, Sandrine, Paul J, Paul B, Joseph, Sarah, Kemia, Warren. Thank you all. Thank you very, very much. And I'd also like to a special mention to two new people of today, actually. We've got um, yeah. a Melissa Che, who actually runs a great page called Calling All Nations, and a lady called Amanda. So hi, girls. Nice to have you here. And- Absolutely. They came because I enticed them with what's going on in the superfan page. Kindly, Nick Egan has allowed us to um, for everyone to have a listen to the voice messages that Michael left. Very, very
2: well. Was that was that where you sort of uh, Michael loved to put on his Australian accent sometimes when <laughs> yeah. and bring in leave some cheeky messages for Nick?
1: Let's go sharpin. Do you remember that one?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I haven't listened to any of them yet.
1: <laughs> you haven't? Oh, no, they're I haven't. I great. Haven't. No. Nikki, no. Nikki, Nikki, Nikki. Even Kylie and Helena are on these um, tapes. So, and look, I don't,
2: um, and look, one thing I'd like to sort of mention mm-hmm. we, uh, I think they haven't been put on there to be exploitative. I think they really come no. from love from Nick. Yeah. Just for people to feel just how Nick and Michael's relationship and Michael's sense of humor and, and, mm. and just a reminder of that. So we we hope people listen in the right context. And, and he, they are they are for page special patrons. They're yeah. not going out to wider wider media no. or anyone like that.
1: No, no, no. They're not they they're not downloadable. And um, they're just for they're only there for a short time. And they are for the special uber in excessive um, lovers of Michael and in excess. So they they're super special. And um, yeah, yeah, they're supposed they should be listened to. They're not. There's nothing there bad it's just hearing michael um happy yeah, really that's Ooh.
2: right and look shout out to you Bea, for sort of putting a lot of special content in there for the for the patrons i know they're appreciating it and it gives them a bit of a point of difference um and rewards you know not only their financial contribution monthly but also just rewards sort of their commitment and their engagement
1: Mm, yeah, um, well, Laurie helps me with a lot of that as well. So we need Absolutely. to recognize Laurie on those. Ooh,
2: Laurie whoa. cracks me up at the moment. She's oh. She posts some funny things the other yeah, day. Jesus. She like, Gee, all my, all my students are 30 years younger than me. What happened to my life? You know, I do crack up a bit. Um, even if we're on different sides of the political bandwagon, Laurie.
1: <laughs> actually, so. I've got somebody me- uh, messaged me and they don't want to be named. They said they get embarrassed. So I won't embarrass you, but your name begins with a J. And they mentioned Jan Song. You remember when you said, yep. oh, it's a little song, and I went, it's politics, and we had a bit of a laugh about it. It's actually about yep. Aboriginal land rights.
2: Okay,
3: Mm. okay.
2: Last week we did do something always a little bit silly and we did sort of pre-announce that this week we would be doing, you know, time for an album review and sometimes we, we, you know, we do, you know, keep our pencil dry a little bit before announcing things. But we were very, very lucky and today, uh, look, you know, we've we've been absolutely uh, trumped. Pardon the pun, uh, Laurie. Don't have a conniption. By a special guest who is coming onto our podcast today and uh, it's probably going to be a two-parter given the content, but we couldn't hold back this uh, gentleman any longer and that's going to be Mark Opitz who's joining us today, the producer of uh, four NXS albums, one one live album and three studio plus countless other recordings and contributions through the industry. So, you know what, X can uh, be deferred, but we can't defer Mark because uh, uh, we were uh, championing the bit to get him on. And, and look, this is actual fact. He, he's he been asked to go on a lot of podcasts uh, recently, but credit and thank you to him for that he picked us to sort of jump on first ahead of the other podcasts. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to chatting to him today. And I think it's going to go for a while, B
1: yeah very special all right what's the time for the news
3: hi it's carmen here from Wollongong, australia you're listening to the world's best in excess podcast in excess access to all areas and now it's time for the news
2: News of the week, B. We're going to go through six or seven items in less than six or seven minutes because we can't wait for Mark Opitz. He's, he's sitting in our <laughs> green room, waiting there, you know, having a glass of water, uh, maybe a dart, okay, and getting ready for us, okay. So we can't hold back any longer, but we will quickly just announce a little bit of news uh, for the listeners, which we love to do. Uh, the very best of uh, a little bit of a dip again, B. We've gone from 37 to 41. Ooh. But isn't it funny, episode 41, oh. <laughs> it's sitting at 41. All right, it's, it's allowed
1: written. just because we're yes. at 41, but he can't go any lower than that.
2: Yes, no. calling all nations, go out and buy the album, come on. Mm-hmm. A little bit of acknowledgement in terms of tours. John Stevens, is he coming to town soon, B, did you say? He's When's coming he in to, town?
1: He's, he's coming to Coffs Harbour next weekend.
2: Right. Well, it's funny, I, I get some news feeds and I know he's in WA soon he's in obviously uh, all parts of New South Wales and even in Victoria where I'm from uh, so do yourself a favour uh, NXS Works collection uh, will be played. Also, as I alluded to earlier, the Rock Hall of Fame nominees were announced. Okay, I can feel a rant coming on next <laughs> week. Okay I will give this proper rant material and rant mm. uh, what's that famous uh, rockumentary it will be up to 11. Okay, this uh, rant. <laughs> so, look, there. are are some notable nominees there are some nominees that justify logic and no nxsb
1: but we've am i allowed to say one of them
2: huh you can we, mention one
1: go goes? i mean that's a bit of a could we not we, like can we not tap on belinda and say hey oh uh, well on. you
2: know maybe we need friends in the club who can mm. sort of just ask you know their friends to be in the club i think so- i know
1: someone who knows belinda
2: Right, okay. Uh, I'd like to know, Belinda. I know, All know right.
3: you
2: do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving along.
3: My love is you.
2: Songwriting Magazine, uh, great little article this week. Uh, Andrew had talked a little bit about the writing of "Beautiful Girl," and uh, he gave, gives it a little bit of a special breakdown of the writing of that song. So, Google the article "Some Songwriting Magazine," uh, Andrew Farris talks "Beautiful Girl," uh, and you will get a cool little sort of, uh, you know, snackable bit of info about that experience and probably even stuff we talked about with that song mm-hmm. last week, "B" yeah. on our Love album.
1: Yeah, um, didn't didn't Andrew play live last Friday as well? Did any Did you watch that?
2: I, I was away. Look, maybe I'll, I think. Uh, don't know. Oops. I won't guess. I won't speculate. <laughs> um, but what I can speaking of, of Andrew, I know Marlena. She's in recruiting mode at the moment. B did she you see is. her post?
1: Did you? See she wants my to
2: recruit rec- a street team, doesn't she?
1: I I I went through my Facebook friends and I um I invited at least fifty onto her yeah. page. So um, well yeah. done everybody yeah. for accepting.
2: Yeah. Well I think Marlena's keen to get some uh, street team action on the ground who can put up posters and promote flyers and mm. you know give Andrew's solo push the push it deserves. So is is, is she being pulled down by Zuckerberg on <laughs> oh, Facebook or maybe. I I'll looked, have to check <laughs> <laughs> okay. you might have to send a stamp sealed envelope to us. we might have to go back to the eighties oh, okay to a uh, good follow lady. up with Marlena.
1: Yeah, but, no, she's uh, lovely.
2: Anything we do, Marlene, to help you, we shall. We shall. Uh, and just And just a last one. Thank you to one of the uh, members of the community. My The name escapes from the moment, but uh, there was a great article in the Northern Beaches Review, which is uh, sort of in Sydney, the Northern Beaches area, the heartland and homeland of Inexcess. Uh And there's a great article there with Tim and Kirk on the front never missing a media opportunity I can feel some media wars coming along I heard it was going to be a Tim solo and then suddenly Kim uh, sorry Kirk popped up okay ready to mingle and ready to share B, you're gesturing at me
1: I know because I got in contact with the uh, with the girl who um, interviewed them. I had a ah, nice little okay. chat with her, yeah, because I'm from a Northern Beaches. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I, I says, you know, we're huge fans, and she's a huge fan as well who actually interviewed them. And I said, will yeah. will you a mention on the show? And she says, please do, and then tag me in so I can listen to the show. So What's hi, Nadine Morton from the Northern Beaches Review Magazine.
2: Uh, okay, okay, <laughs> cool. But it was a great little article there. I mean, and thank good. you for those who shared it in and anyone who's got – articles or things that pop up that are either old or new we, we welcome them and they're great fun for for the community to share in look i can see the green green room uh, B mark salivating he's got a list of anecdotes and stories he can't wait to tell so uh, we're gonna have to get into our topic okay he cannot wait any longer hey this is tim Farris, and you're listening to access all areas in hayden and b
1: hey Now it's time for Topic of the Week, sponsored by Tilly & Wilbur, providing unique Australian design and affordable expressive wear. They make ethical choices, one tee at a time, by using sustainable quality clothing, supporting fair trade and using recycled packaging. Use the code excess P-O-D, for 20% off your first purchase at tillyandwilbur.com.au.
0: Bucking Juice started, we were in Capri, and um, we had the piece of music, and it, or Andrew had the piece of music already put together and everyone had played on it. There's a couple of tracks like that, like The Gift is another one. That's, you know, that's that's a Johnny Farris song. That's whose song that is. No one else's. Yeah, sure, Michael puts a lyrics on, but that's a demo from, from Michael's house in, in the south of France, and the song used to be called Sud de France, South of France. And we turned it into the gift. But with Viking juice, we had Viking juice as a piece of music of Andrew's. And, um, and we just had it and we played with it a bit. There were no lyrics or anything for it. It was just put it together as as, as, as a, a piece of music. And one night we got we decided to go down to one of the local bars, being winter. And we went down to a bar in Capri called Max's Bar, which is no longer there. It's now a, a restaurant called Lamore, More. But... Um, and, and so there's the band and I and Niven Garland sitting down one end of this bar. And at the other end of the bar, at the bar, is the owner, who turned out to be my friend, uh, Max. Uh, uh, um, Constanza, a player, who was uh, uh, the, uh, the daughter of the, the main jeweler on, on Carprey. And uh, I think someone else was there as well, but anyway, we were all sitting down there, and, and we could see them watching us. And you know, thinking, and whether they recognised in excess, I don't know. And uh, and we were having a few drinks, and and Michael said, "Look, on the count of three, let's rush the bar." <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's like twenty meters away. <laughs> so, so one two three bang and we all run up to the bar to these people and just start saying anything in English that they couldn't understand like my hovercraft is full of eels you know know, all that sort of stuff and and then everyone everyone started laughing and we all became good friends and as I said my Niven ended up going out with uh, Costi for years and um, uh, and Max I met up later as I said he he got me into a a massive attack gig in Rome where we hooked up later on and hanging out because he's one of 3D's friends and so we had a lot to talk about but the point is we got really shitfaced at this bar and we've ended up back in the studio you know, on Capri at 2 o'clock in the morning and 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 Michael's a bit belligerent because of his accident at this stage and wanting to do things his way and that way and he's a bit drunk and, and you can't blame him and, and, and he said I want to do, read some poetry so pretty much the whole band just left the control room. It's two o'clock, everyone's gone back to bed. And so it's me, Niven, maybe Johnny Farris and um, and Michael. And Michael brings out his notebook and, and starts reading this poem called The End of Rock and Roll. And I said, we should record this. So I've just grabbed a normal stage mic and shoved it in his hand, like a 57. Put a DAT player a cassette in the DAT machine and just going him to record this drunken version him reading this poem and that's it and it wasn't until months later that you know I had got this piece of music bike inducing thinking, what can we do with it remembered about the poem dug around found the cassette transferred the digital audio cassette to, to the digital multitrack and then arranged the words to, in time with the music yeah so so it's talking.
2: I always used to listen to that song and feel like it was a bit like Roxy Music with that uh, guitar and saxophone meets the doors with the spoken word thing. It, I know Tim loved his Roxy Music, but it had a feel to that.
0: Yeah, no, well, well, that's the first time anyone heard it was after I put it together. Yeah. you know, and No one gave me permission to do it. I just did it. And mm. um, because I knew I had that, I thought, what a great idea, you know, I can do this. You know, it doesn't matter about the pitch because he's talking. So, and just to have this music behind it, and him just sort of talking over it, and, mm-hmm. but I had to put it in time. It took ages to sort of edit the timing yeah. of it to get it right, and just do, and then put in, you know, re- yeah. make a chorus up out of.
2: Did um, of it. did Chris make you put that twelfth on the album? <laughs> no, the no.
0: Um, uh, it probably again, you know, the running order. I'd submitted the running order for for that album, which I was very proud of. I said starting with Freedom. Uh, and then ending with killer pain, and uh, I, I mean, I've got a date of it somewhere. I don't know where. I might have donated to the film and sound archives, like I did a lot of stuff that I've had, but um, but, it, but it could be a cassette of it around somewhere. But uh, but I wrote this really long fax in those days. You had to write a fax, not an email, when I was living on Capri. When when Chris sent me through his version of The Running Order, which was obviously, as I said before, caused by what Nirvana and other bands were doing at that time.
3: Mm -hmm. And
0: I said, and I went, my facts was like 20 pages as to why the song and then why that song had to be there. Why had my running order should be, and it was, uh,
2: no. One of the great one, two punches, I think, in your production is how the one thing goes into To Look At You.
3: Yeah.
2: There's sequencing in now for the nerd like me, I can hear it and sense it and see it. But when we did our review of Shabu Shabara, which I think you may have listened to, that episode, I did. We talked a bit about it. Um, I know you look at the songs as a sort of a composite of a whole and it's an album. And um, just that sequencing side, I think with Welcome was almost like one continuous song. Had that.
0: That's what I was trying to do. I did the same thing back with Cultures or with East album, if you you remember back. Yep. Yep. And um, with particularly the. But I've always taken pride in getting the running order right, and yeah. and so to have it taken away from me on Full Moon Dirty Hearts wasn't wasn't good. I was wasn't happy. There was, was
2: a there, there was I think a management desperation at that point because they'd come off, you know, plateauing sales with Welcome, and then they really put um, Full Moon out rather quickly. Now mm-hmm. I, I know in conversation you mentioned to me that they didn't come to the Welcome sessions with a lot of material. I was just trying to wonder where they got the time to record all of the, or do all the writing for Full Moon because it was really quickly sort of recorded.
0: Well, what, what happened, sort of, we got there uh, for a couple of months pre-Christmas, whatever year it was, yeah. and then um, and put down stuff we had. But they'd been at Michael's house rehearsing in the south of France, as right. I said, and um, The Gift, for example, Johnny had written, was called Sud de France. It wasn't called The Gift. and uh, And that... And that demo is what I actually use on the album. So that's that music was written on a demo. I just transferred it to digital. I don't care about the quality. Yeah. I just you know, it was a feel, and that, and I could not recreate that. Obviously, I added a lot of stuff to it. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, obviously the vocal got added to it, and a lot of sound effects and bits and pieces got added in there as well. But but uh, down 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 down. That's the original demo. And so, in terms of so in terms of writing, you know, bits and pieces had been pre-written, but they just weren't songs. Like yeah. Viking Juice wasn't a song. Mm.
3: Uh,
0: you know, um, Full Moon Dirty Hearts. Michael wrote that on. You know, uh, we did the album in two halves. We we um, uh, the band we were all there. we were all there together before Christmas and after Christmas. It was just Michael, Andrew, and I. It was for yeah for three weeks, and then the band came in two weeks after that for, after we'd been there for just the three of us for, 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 for three weeks and the band came back right. after that. Then we went to Paris and did more stuff in Paris before okay. mixing. is it
2: is it over exaggerated or overstated about Michael and Capri, or was the sessions happier than a made out?
0: The sessions weren't uh, it's not overstated at all. you know as I said, Michael had a very traumatic accident. and um, I you know as I said, he and I shared a villa. Um, and for the first half of the recording, I had the downstairs, he lived upstairs. And for the second half of the recording, we swapped. But no matter, I could still hear it. You know, three in the morning, my phone would go off. That's it. I'm fucking leaving. I can't stand these bastards. I hate them. You know, uh, you know or that sort of talk. You know, because yeah. again, this is a result of a traumatic accident. You yeah. know, and a brain injury,
3: mm-hmm. you know, and
0: plus a frustration that yes. he was having with his sense of smell and taste and his lack of confidence because yeah. of all these things they're adding, they're adding into it. You know, it was really amazing to see that this guy who I, I'd watched go from someone with no confidence pre Shabu Shahar to supreme confidence at Wembley, to supreme confidence in welcome, and then to deal with this guy who wasn't supremely confident which was with, and it was manifesting in different ways
3: mm.
0: when we were in Italy in, in, in full moon but a lot of the songs the bits of music had been done at Michael's house just the demos and I'm not too proud to use someone's demo as a basis of a song if it's got the feel of course mm. that's that, you know do not be mine yeah and and so we did that and as I said then after Christmas uh you know we, we all went home through a the week before Christmas, but then Andrew, Michael, and Niven and I uh, went back to Italy just to, to work on stuff, you know, for a few weeks before we let the rest of the band be involved.
2: With, with you mentioned but the volatility.
0: Yeah. Just, but, the, but just on the volatility for Yeah, there was. There's, there'd be, you know, there'd be, it's uh, like, it was, like, um, it was okay. like the sessions were bipolar in some way. Be really up one minute, you know. Then it'd be, you know, Michael throwing a beer at somebody or pulling a knife on Gary. Or I can remember it was something like that. And the other times it'd be just everyone having so much fun. I remember Murphy turned up one time and I'm sitting there listening to stuff doing this. Chaos is going on around me. Chaos. You know, everyone's drinking, getting drunk, having fun, laughing. And Murphy's sitting right next to me how the fuck can you concentrate? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> <it's just> going, <laughs> and going, well, this is what you've got to get used to here. This uh, is the life uh, of a producer. That's <laughs> it. And um, it's just, you know, I know these guys. Um, but, yeah, so the, the sessions were, it's, it, a lot has been said about them uh, being chaotic, and they were mm-hmm. chaotic. They definitely were.
1: How many um, weeks in total?
0: You know, I can't remember. I think we we kicked off with about four weeks at the start in, and then I said Michael and Andrew and Niven and I came back and I think uh, for three weeks and then the band came back for a, a week or two. Then they went home and then Andrew, Michael and I and Niven went off to Paris to Gilliam Tell Studios, which is a fantastic studio in Paris, and we, we just worked on stuff. Just our little group worked on stuff. And was there.
1: Michael happier in a smaller group then?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. No, yeah. he was fine. Uh, you know, and when we were, and particularly we was at a brilliant hotel in Paris. We were yeah. staying at um on the left bank, just off um, Boulevard Saint Germain. And nice. uh, a great, great hotel. Yeah, I remember walking out one day, and there's Peter Euston off in the lobby, you know, asking questions about <laughs> something, but. Um, but it was great because I remember it just while we were on this album and, and please if I digress too much you just pull me up. You know, we we were you know, with Gilliam Tellm and Michael and I and I think Richard Lowenstein was there for a bit and he left. But Michael and Andrew and I and and Andrew was working on something and Michael and I said oh, we had, I remember we both had a Nisvah salad in, in the green room and we decided, well, let's go and have a look at the rest of the studio. And so we got one of the French assistants to show us around. I mean, walked into, because we were in a quite a small studio because we were doing just overdubs, vocals and small things. And he took us down to the main studio, which was an old movie theatre oh. and a great stage on it. And, and Michael and I go, wow, this is amazing. And and we said, well, what do you do here? I said, ah, oh, we do all the orchestral stuff. The French guy was saying, like we do all of Ray Charles's uh, orchestral stuff here. Oh. And of, of course, Hutch and I look at each other and go, Ray Charles, yeah. you know, like my favorite singer of all time. And wouldn't it be great if we could get him to sing on this record? And that's.
1: How wouldn't
0: it,
3: it be great? That's how. It and came that's about. And
0: that's how it came about. And the funny thing was. I'm just trying. You got a running list of full moon, dirty hearts. Here, um, I should have it, but um, hey, yeah, I've got it up.
1: in his head. In my head. Come
0: on, okay. Hayden. Give me some song. What's, what's Okay. The song you got days of rust. I think you got
2: the gift. You got make your peace. I think you've got time. Okay. Please, Which you one did that?
0: Ray sing okay.
2: well, Which leaves you got that.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, we I think, wanted. To, I think he rejected "Make Your Peace" and then exactly, yeah, because that's immediately what struck us, Michael and myself, was "Make Your Peace."
3: Mm.
0: We want, you know, we just said that's the one because mm. we knew that song. Oh, that'd be great, you know, because you can hear him do it in my head. I can hear it, you know, and so I was quite surprised when you know, like by this time, I think I was living in in Italy and on Capri and getting a phone call from Ray Charles. Saying, no, no, I want to do the other song. You know, and plus I want all I think I he wanted all the publishing and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> and I'm saying to him, Yeah, but you know, we're this is me speaking to Ray Charles on the phone, yeah. You know, well how does that happen? a long way,
2: a long way from Brisbane
0: huh <laughs> a long way from Brisbane I can tell you that yeah. and 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 I uh, Brian Eno rang me while I was there as well because he was mm. did some work with us as well yeah but um but Ray and I was saying to Ray uh, sorry Mr. Charles um can um, you know we've, we've recorded this on Sony 48 track you know because I had no idea what equipment he said, I got everything. I said, but if you have got Sunny Forty Eight, don't don't care, don't care, don't care. I got everything. Don't you worry. Just turn up. You just come. You just come. You and Michael just come. You know, <laughs> and, and and we'll do do this thing. I got everything. We got everything. We got a big got You know. <laughs> okay. 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 And so so I was quite nervous. You know, so should I go into the Ray Charles story? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so so you know now we know we're doing a different song. And uh, and I've turned up with the multi-track and met Michael at Chateau Marmont. He and I stayed there, and Helena turned up there. In, as well. in L.A. L.A. Yeah, Chateau yeah. Marmont. Yeah, yeah. where well, John Belushi died. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and uh, and we were there. And I, you know, Michael was in one of um, the the what do you call them? Not chalets. The, uh, the, the bungalows out the back. The, the bungalows out the back. Yeah, and I was yeah. in in. Um, Glenn Ford and whatever his name, where the the uh, <laughs> their suite, right? yeah, you know, amazing names. Yeah. But the suite that they that, that MGM hired for them to have their girlfriends at and drink right. late at night at, <laughs> I had that suite, which amazing view across, you know, and uh, and um, anyway, and uh, it, so it, it was a couple of days before we had to go into Ray's Place and I remember Michael said, "I've got this book for you to read." It was called Neuromancer, Do you remember that book? No. Nope. Neuromancer. You ever heard of that book? Sci- science fiction book?
1: i that one down as well.
0: <laughs> it's a classic. It's an absolute classic. You guys don't know this stuff. This is what Michael could do, and I think Nick explained it to you very well, that he picked up on things before other people would pick up on stuff. Mm. And uh, Neuromancer was something picked up. It's similar. At Wembley Stadium, you know, when we, everyone kicked everyone out of the dressing room, Rolling Stones, you name it, you know, everybody. Kicked out of the dressing room, and and we're all sitting there, standing around. And Michael comes up with his headphones and puts his headphones on me and says, "Listen to this."
3: Mm. And it was a
0: band called Massive Attack. Yeah. That no one had ever heard of, a pre-release, mm. and he played mm. me "Unfinished Sympathy." Mm. And while he's doing it, he put an ecstasy pill in my hand and said, "The stairs during the stairs." Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um anyway, but I digress. And the um, and so we we. Um, we went over to Ray's, you know, like we got to Ray's place, which is, as you can imagine, he's blind, obviously. So Ray's place is just grey. Everything's grey. Out The fence is grey outside. It's a tour bus, a grey tour bus in a big grey cage, this big grey building. Big, there's no main entrance, glittery entrance. is just going through the back way. And security is, what, what are you here for? Oh, we're here to see Ray. You mean you're here to see mr charles <laughs> being reminded <laughs> and, again <laughs> exactly and it was pretty really big you know and um they said okay uh, who are you and they'd phone in and say oh yeah michael hutchinson mark hope you're here to see mr charles and um yeah yeah they came in i sent them up to the studio and so uh, and just a voice and so we go up to the studio and the studio again gray box in, in the control room really Unimaginative as you can imagine. Who cares? I'm blind. I don't care. You know, if you're Ray Charles, what, what color it is. And uh, and so we're in this recording, you know, pretty good recording equipment, pretty old, but pretty good. And there's his engineer engineer, white guy, uh sitting there. And I look out the big control room window and there's Ray Charles. He's got his back to me, he's got his grand piano, he's got his Hammond B three, he's got his Fender Rhodes all in a line like that and in front of him is the whole ray charles orchestra you know wow. and, and, and they were rehearsing for the a vegas season they're going to be doing at vegas and they were rehearsing the the intro the the what do you, the, the, what do you call it? i should know this the uh the piece of music before the show, started, you know, where the band plays, everyone plays, you know, yeah. the introductory piece of music. Yeah. And they're rehearsing it and Ray's yelling out stuff. The Raylets are there, you know, like everyone, you know, horn sections, you name it. And Michael and I just go, fuck. Oh, it's big. It's amazing. <laughs> is it, is it, how, how lucky are we, you yeah. know, just watching this? And, um, and uh, just, you know, slamming it, you know, doing stuff. And then the, Mr. T, the engineer, gets on the uh, – uh, on on the talk back Mr Charles uh, uh mark over to Michael Hutchinson here to see you about that song Oh <laughs> yeah, and um, and then you know then a bit of shuffling a bit of yelling at the orchestra a bit of abuse at the orchestra the you know the, uh, don't forget anyway then and so then he comes in the con- and Ray finds his way up the stairs in the control room appears in this beige pants white shirt crisp with this big brown coffee stain <laughs>
1: um, i wasn't crisp
0: <laughs> and and he's holding a beer stein right? and uh, you know beer stein is you know like a big hmm. beer jug yeah and um it's okay and because and, i like, shit what's going on here yeah with it? and um it's 11 a.m uh, yeah, yeah. It's, so, and said so, and said, so, so, let's listen let's, let's listen to the song. And so we, now we can't hear the orchestra at all, obviously, because now we're listening to um um You Got That Need And um and uh and so and Ray's going along and all of a sudden goes this look of anger comes across his face in halfway through the song. I go, What the fuck? What have we done? And he just turns around, gets on his on uh, on his high horse, basically, goes out the studio door, slams it, walks down to where the the Ray Charles Orchestra is all standing, and we turn the talk back on so we can hear what's going on. And Ray's saying, I told you, we're doing the 48-bar version, not the 64-bar version. Now, that says a lot. So he could hear that shit but the band was rehearsing, while he was listening to our stuff. Wow. I couldn't hear the band, the, the, you know, we didn't know what the band was doing, but he just, that's why he got angry because they were doing the long version of the intro and not, and instead of the, the, the version that he wanted to do. Then he came back up into the, uh, and this the song of them, and I've got a photo somewhere of us, uh, Ray and Michael at, over the control panel singing, and me trying to look busy next to him. you know, like reading lyrics or something. And it was really, really, really interesting time. And, 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 um, and so that, so we, we, we had this chat and then Ray said, oh, look, I've got to go and do something. And I said, to, then I turned around the engine and I said, what's with the stain on the shirt? He says, oh, well, you know, no one's going to tell Ray Charles he's got a stain. <laughs> <laughs> you know, No one's going to tell Mr. Charles, you know.
1: Mr. Charles.
2: Uh, you <laughs> know. He, 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 ca- he can't see it anyway. So it doesn't he must matter. have felt no, exactly. it,
0: though. Yeah, yeah but doesn't matter. And I said, well, what's with the beer stein? He said, well, the beer stein is half, it's this big, it's half bowls gin, you know, bowls gin, and half black coffee.
2: Oh. Mixed oh,
3: Mixed wow.
0: together.
2: Wow.
3: Wow. It's and an
0: up an all, upper and a downer at the same time. All, <laughs> yeah. all day. All day. Wow. All, all day. It, it, it's like that. And I remember we let so Michael and I had sent out the subways or something like that. And we're, we're sitting on the step outside the control room. So he and I just haven't eaten and talking. And one of Mr. Charles' assistants comes on. You can't sit there? Can't eat there, you gotta eat in the lunchroom. Mr. Charles <laughs> sees that, you know, there'll be big trouble. Big Mr. Trouble.
2: Charles sees that,
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 big trouble. You can't, you can So, you know, it didn't give a shit. It was Michael Hutchins, one of the biggest pop stars in the world, you know,
3: no. and uh,
0: and um, and so that, so, so we've sheepishly gone off into the lunchroom and had our subways, <laughs> you know, and, um, <laughs> it, it was really bizarre, and um, and then, 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 then Ray. Comes back, you know, and and, and before that, it, I'm sitting in the control room and Ray Charles' son is with me in in there. It's well, just, just after lunch, Michael, me and Ray Charles' son. And we're playing the track and he's going, it's great. Yeah, it is. sounds cool. I like this. Yeah, I really like you guys in Access. X- in you, you guys great. You know, you did this great stuff. I like the song. I like that song. And he was talking like that. Then all of a sudden the intercom goes off. Uh, Mr. Charles is on his way down to the studio and Rachel's son goes, Shit, I've got to get out of here.
3: Oh, I oh. I can't,
0: I, dad won't. I, no, I can't, in. can't, you won't. can't let, let dad see me here. Wow. And just everyone like, was the...
1: scared of him.
0: Totally. Called, scared. The, called the shots. Uh, he totally called the shots and he told us a great story about Pepsi ad and all that sort of stuff. But but he came back in and and he was. Doing this stuff, he said, Okay, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just run down and I'll, I'll just do a quick vocal, a uh, rough guide on it. I'll do the vocal later, you guys don't have to be here for it, but I'll just show you what I'm gonna do. And so he went down and into the um studio part while we were in the control room. Anyway, he says, Okay, Mr. T, play me the track. And so, uh, trying to find the track, you know, it's on multi track, so it's it's not just a stereo track. It's they've got to change faders and do yeah. all this kind of stuff. And, he's got, and, and, and he said, why, why, why is it different on one side of my ear than the other side of the ear? What are you doing? And so I am oh, sorry, Mr. Charles, I'm trying to fix it. This is his engineer talk. You know, I, I, and, and Ray just says, throws his headphones off, walks upstairs, comes back and stands behind the controller. room. blind guy reaches over and fiddles with a few knobs Walks down, goes down, says, "Yep, that's perfect."
3: <laughs> what a genius! <laughs> what? <laughs>
0: How does he? You know, just, Whoa. Uh, um, uh, but he was autocratic. He was really severe. But he, um, and then, then proceeded that, um, and then I, then, then he said, "Okay, let's." Um, before you go, can we just do the lyrics? Just make sure I've got the lyrics because I want to put them in Braille. And I said, "Sure." And so we went up into the, to Ray Charles's office and just me, no Michael, just me and Ray. And um, so I've got my notepad. Now, you can imagine Ray Charles's office. There's a fair bit of gold on the walls, right? I bet. But one thing there's not is a lot of lights.
3: Of course. Because yeah. he doesn't
0: need a lot of he lights.
3: He doesn't
0: need it. So he's got this old-style braille machine that looks like a Parcheesi board where he does his own. Makes it not a typewriter type one. Yeah. And and so there, So I'm going through the verse with him. Remember, I mean, the light's a bit dim. I'm going through the first verse, chorus, second verse, bridge, or whatever. You know, chorus, whatever happens next, whatever happens next. And by the time I got into the the, the second verse, I realised that I'd given him the wrong <gasps> third line. I think it was in the first oh, verse.
1: No. And, and it was you, a line. How do you approach that
0: one? <laughs> well, this is, be this how I approached it. It was a song. It was a line in my head that had always been in my head when Michael sang it. And, um, but it wasn't the line that he sang. It was I, I used to sing a little different line in my head. And that was a line that I gave Ray by mistake. I gave him my line instead of Michael's line. <laughs> it, was only, it was only like four or five words or whatever. But... Um, so, I didn't go back and change it. Oh, are you kidding? I'm going to tell Mr. Charles to go back and do this. No way. Especially after what you just witnessed. Yeah. And, and, so, and so, I mean, I told Michael about it. He said, don't worry about it. That's cool. You know, he's, yeah. it's his part. He's singing that bit. I don't care. Yeah. You know, and- we, we get a
2: snippet on the Mystify soundtrack of about a year ago of those mm. reporting sessions, of, you know, of what took place where we hear Michael and, and, um, Mr. Charles, conversing back and forth. Um, yes,
3: don't that worry about been, it. <laughs>
0: that, that, those those sessions uh, were probably from the uh, uh, rehearsals for the TV show.
2: Right. Oh, okay. That
0: uh-huh. that would not have been for the because we didn't have any okay. cameras. For, for it was just as I said. The the Richard Leinstein definitely yeah. wasn't there. Oh yeah. no but, no
1: no! It was audio.
0: Uh, audio? Okay, it
1: was,
2: audio. It was audio. It on might the... have been audio b- rehearsing for the Letterman show.
0: But uh, yeah, I'm sure that all that stuff from the Letterman show because, yeah. as you know, Ray did uh, Letterman as well mm. with them, yeah, which was a quote well, no, too. because
1: he says, Cut me in, Mr. T. Oh, did he? Well,
0: yeah, they must so it's
1: definitely the audio and it's on okay. the Michael Hutchins musical journey album, okay. which is have you not heard that album yet?
0: Never heard it. <gasps> it it's Mark, I've got it. some homework for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, B. I've done enough homework. All right.
3: Yeah. Mr. Charles? yeah. The, it's like give me fever like a man blind to passion. That's it. Okay. Very good. Oh passion.
0: You know. Yeah, somewhere yeah. around there. Okay. Yeah. Well. Okay. You have to forgive me for my my phrase. As long as I get the, as long as you tell me how it's supposed to go
2: right, then I can sing it the way. I exactly. No. That's fuck fine. It up, that's okay. Good. All right. Don't worry about it. Sing that line one more time for me, sir. Just what you just did there. One more time.
3: Give me feeling like a man blind to passion. Oh, okay,
0: okay, give me feeling like a man blind to
3: passion. Th- All
2: right, okay, fine. I got you. Go ahead, man.
0: That's the way it went. And you know, like, I don't I, well, it could have well been recorded. But, um, and,
2: could I, uh, can I ask you a little bit about in the studio there to see mm-hmm. Ray with the orchestra? reminds me of something you've mentioned, I think, in a few interviews, just the image of Frank Sinatra at the microphone with an orchestra. And I think if I relate it back to you in your recording, you like to have the band sound together and um, as organic as possible. And I think... Well, well Ray,
0: that's very true. Yeah. That's very true. I mean, you know, like just referring to the Frank Sinatra thing, you know, it's one of these... Most studio photographs you see of Frank Sinatra, he's got a little pork pie hat on. He's got a, 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 a U47 Neumann big fat microphone in front of him. He's got a, a bit of paper in his hands, but blurred in the background is the orchestra, yep. is Nelson. And that's what you're referring to. And that's because Ray, uh, Frank always, he didn't sing overdub. He sang always sang to the orchestra. Yeah. But yeah, it's Frank Sinatra did basically most takes, vocal takes with the orchestra playing. Yeah. As opposed to orchestra play, then do the vocal Similar to what we did when we were doing um, Baby Don't Cry Well,
2: that was my next thing, because that sounds very organic
0: That's a really interesting, I mean, I know we're jumping around But Baby Don't Cry, was a, that was a fun day yeah. That was a, fun, a real fun day When it down and
3: confused Nothing seems right And it's you who decides what's going to make it right Don't cry, baby Baby, don't cry. Well, life ain't no joke, but it's good when you smile. Do you know where you are? Steal everything, but you won't get far.
0: Before, you know, we, we, we knew, you know, obviously we knew we were going to have the orchestra in the next day, 64-piece orchestra, whatever it was, and we'd set up for it. But the night before, there was, you know, the, uh, some of the, I think uh, Kirk was there, um, Andrew, I'm not sure, Johnny might have been, and um, but James Freud from the Models was there, um, a couple of other people um we're hanging around. So we were rehearsed. We'd, we'd had a, 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 in the afternoon, we'd done a version of the band playing the song. Actually, the whole band was there because we recorded a version of, a full version of Baby Don't Cry without the orchestra. And I, we, I, we did two versions. First version, mm, the second version was really good, mm. really good. I really, really liked it. And I said, well, there's our, there's our version, you know, our backup version because tomorrow I want you, you guys are going to be playing live with the orchestra. I don't want to, use, but if we need a backup version where it doesn't work out, we'll just, we can always play this down the, the, to the headphones, to the orchestra until we get the right take. Mm-hmm. And um, and so we, you know, we did that and it was great. As I said, and was involved. He was doing back and vocals on, bunch of people, yeah, T-Bone Burnett, um, Wendy Matthews, people like that who happened to be in the complex of iron Astros at the time. And that was great. And well, so T-Bone Burnett? I, yeah, he was doing a Wendy Matthews album.
2: Really? Because, I mean, yeah. he absolutely kicked on in the late 90s, 2000s, did he, with his production? He, he's, oh, yeah, yeah.
0: He's, well, he's, already, he's already a famous then, you know. Yeah, but uh, I'm
2: talking stratospheric, like Grammys and
0: everything right. that seemed to come oh, as yeah, 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 you yeah. know? Exactly right. Yeah. But the um, uh, anyway, the... Um, but you know about uh, you know I was driving home to Barrel each night, which I don't know if you know where that is. Yeah. Hundred clicks out of out of uh, Sydney, and, uh, and so everyone had left, and, and and Michael had left as well, gone off partying somewhere, which is unusual for him to leave that early. <laughs> but um, it's say one o'clock, and I, and I'm sitting there with Niven just before I'm going. I'm listening to the um, to the take, you know, our, our reserve take. You know And I said Niven Erase it Oh What do you mean Erase it I said get rid of it Destroy it I don't want it He said Then we don't have a backup I said exactly We don't have a backup Get rid of it I don't want I don't want And then when the band Came in the next day I I said Oh by the way That second version Both versions We had last night I erased them You've what (laughs) Yeah I've erased them Because I want to put the pressure on you. This is about us fucking doing what we do best, <laughs> and you know. And the thing about in excess, it's like a giant flywheel. At the start of any tour, it's a bit sloppy, but by the as the tour goes on, this flywheel gains momentum, and momentum that becomes Wembley.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It's what the result. Yeah. And you know. And I said that. And this is why I want to do it because we're we we're, we're going. I'm taking a risk doesn't work you can shoot me but i want this to be live i don't want us to have in the back of our heads oh we can always go back to that one mm-hmm. and so and so consequently we're set up of johnny's set up in the reception area with the drum kit i've got um, in different rooms the guitar amps and the airlocker the bass amp like and, and the ryan oscar's control room so big i could have the whole band in there with me even had my son who was i don't know would have been five set up with his own little midi keyboard didn't matter what note he pressed it was going to work with it because we had <laughs> you know key to the song and um i said yeah yeah, yeah you know oh. kill yourself do whatever you know and um so he, he was five as i said and then the whole band is in the control room with me, Michael, singing. The guy's playing guitar, their amps, as I said, we're outside. And so and we've got the orchestra in there. Okay. Um, let's go. And so, okay, are you ready? Is everyone ready? You know, sure. You know, speaking to the conductor, I go out and chat. You know, we've already gone through, met Kenny, all the arrangements, all the fly dirt arrangements, you know, how the notes, the it, 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 the, the, the musical structure, et cetera, on paper. And um, and we start playing and it's just not working. And it's just not working. You know, like, okay, well, let's do another take. Just not working. I'm going, well, I've erased that extra, you know, my backup, you know, I'm going to look like an idiot. And so I did, did, them, did a third take, you know, still wasn't working. So I thought, and our orchestras are, are expensive. So, you, you've got to. So, I said, All right, uh, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to call a tea break now. And um, and uh, everyone, we had a really big green room at Rhinoceros where everyone could mingle. And I said, I've got cake and tea, coffee, whatever anyone wants. And I said to the band, Mingle with the, everyone. Just go out there and mingle with the orchestra. Just pick anybody and just have a start chatting to them.
3: Who did uh, Michael and, talk
0: to? I can't remember. What was her but name? What, <laughs> what was important was who I talked to. Yeah. That was the important thing. And I'm not trying to put myself above anybody or anything. It's because of happenstance is why I say this. And I aim for the first violinist. And I don't know if you know much about orchestras, but the boss of any orchestra is the first violinist. Oh. The conductor, The conductor sure, is a conductor, but they're usually people that come in and conduct. And a lot of the time they're, a contract to do maybe a year or a season or a, a w- with an orchestra. But the orchestra itself is together all the time. The leader is the first violinist. And then when you talk to an orchestra, you talk to the conductor and you talk to the first violinist. You do not talk to anybody else about no. musical. And you don't go up to the oboe player. To, Can you play this a little bit more staccato? Uh-huh. You talk to the, con- the conductor and you talk to the first violinist saying, I want that oboe but, but, that's who you talk to. So I, I speak to the first violinist, this lady, and I'm saying, you know, it's, it's, you know, are you guys hearing everything okay? Because it, it just doesn't seem to be gelling. She said, you know, I've got one question for you. And I said, I said, what? Well, she said, how come the playback tape changes every time we do the song? Oh. Uh, and
3: then
0: it, I I realised that they didn't know the band were playing along because the orchestra's all out there. They've got no idea. They can just see people in the control room. They got no idea Johnny's out near the kitchen area with his drums. And so I said, "Oh no, no, no! You, it's not. Uh, it, there's no playback tape. The band is playing live with you." And she went, "You're kidding." I said, "No. The band is playing with you. We're playing with you. But this is why we wanted to work." And as soon as I said that, She's talked to section leaders, everybody said, The band's playing live. What? The band's playing live. Mm. And a a ripple went through the whole orchestra, you know. And then we all went back in. Two takes is all it took. Two takes, and it was magic. Mm. they realised that the band was playing live, that they're all in this together. Yeah. It was just that second, that two takes later, in the can, done, beautifully done. And then obviously we go back and do backing vocals and Michael does his rap, which I nearly forgot to put in there, but I oh. remember digging out at the last minute <laughs> and putting that in at the end. And, um, uh, uh, and yeah, but that was a real big lesson. You know Right there That's the Frank Sinatra Recording together yeah. thing yeah. But the thing is You've got to tell the orchestra <laughs> yeah. you got
2: It's funny what, It's funny that You don't know in life What you don't know And they just didn't know
0: Yeah Yeah well they Because they were all Separated out yeah. there They were the orchestra They were doing yeah. their job They were mm-hmm. reading their Bits of fly paper. In men and women It came back It bit us on the bum A little bit um, Because when we did that After we got uh, Baby Don't Cry in the Can And then we did Men and Women and then there was one. What is going on? Why is that, What's that strange sound that's out of tune in there? And of course, everyone's just reading their chart. They're just playing what's written in front of them and and following conductor as far as tempo. Yeah. So they whatever they're playing is sacrosanct. They don't know if it's a mistake. Mm. So we had to actually stop each section. Get each section to play their part. No, that sounds fine. Okay. Uh, second violins can you play the part, no one else second violins part okay, violas and cello, can you play the part no, it's not happening there okay, woodwinds, can you play the part bingo, there it is and now we've got to go into the woodwinds and find out which woodwind it is because they don't know which one it is, they're just playing their part, and so we had to just eliminate everyone down to the one instrument. And finally, as I mentioned Oboe before, the Oboe player on his chart, there was a, a sharp. One of the notes had been written by mistake as a oh, sharp. Wow. And, and so he dismantled
1: to, it all and found the yeah. oboe player had been written. Again, but
0: again, it's just that's that's orchestras for you. Yeah. You know, they they're a machine. They've yeah. been designed over hundreds and hundreds of years to be placed the way they're placed. They've been designed to be to all come the sound that come together at the central point where the conductor is so i always put the microphone over the conductor you know or the stereo microphones and the and the um you know they're all just doing their bit they're mm-hmm. not soloists it's mm-hmm. not like a band yeah let me just add this little lick in here or bass player put it or a drum fill
1: You've got quite a few questions itching to haven't you? We've only
0: just started, really. Yeah? <laughs> I
1: know, I know. Well, look, I was going to throw a couple of names
2: or scenarios at you and we thought we'd give you the first thing that comes into your head. Um, John Ferris.
0: Musical genius. Elaborate. John Farris um, is the best drummer I have ever, ever worked with, period. Uh, again, he's one of my dearest friends. He and I have been through a lot of personal shit together and we've always... To, I spoke to him two days ago about his new music and going down to see him at, at, at down near Byron where he lives and new,
1: and new music.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's he's been doing stuff in America for the last three or four years with session.
1: John has. Oh yeah. We don't know any of this. we put on his
2: we put on smoke and Joe Vivian Richards thing on earlier. Oh
3: the,
0: yeah. Our, our no, he's been doing he's been doing stuff that he hasn't. Uh, Wanted to be released. He's been recording it, writing with writers in America for over. He stopped about a year ago, I think, and but he wasn't prepared to go through Petrol Records with it because he's writing it for certain reasons. John's yeah. it's it's uh, John's a very spiritual person these days, yeah. and has has very uh, his views of the world uh, uh, and, uh, and what's happening in the world are, are not the same as everybody else's. Okay. but 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 as a as a drummer amazing guy you know um i mean the Armani model in the band you know like when <laughs> you know, on kick but so, but always shy and and uh, to the back but but musical genius nonetheless you know like he doesn't play drums it's, each of those drums is a, it's a different instrument mm. he controls the stage you know i remember when i as i told you before i toured with him for, and the um he, he had full control of all the electronics or running through his systems, he had Akai MPC60 to change everyone's sound. He had control of the set list. He had control of the whole show. And again, that's why Wembley starts like Wembley starts, and Guns in the Sky. That was un- totally unrehearsed. Mm. That was John. Oh, where's everybody else? Who cares? Yeah, yeah. Just, he just sets up anyway, a feel. He, he, and he knows that, it's going to be guns in sky. And some and, of that
2: electronica stuff with the drums became sort of, I guess, industry-wide and widely sort of
0: emulated after him. That's where I was going. You see, to him, you know, like a, a drum machine was another instrument. It wasn't a drum machine at all that just kept time.
3: Mm. To him,
0: it was an, a fascinating instrument that could be added in just like a cymbal or a tom or whatever, we'd experiment with lots of different things. He just loves all these different types of drums that he's got. He's a great musician. I mean, the Farris family is blessed to have, uh, you know, Andrew Farris, musical genius. John Farris, musical genius. There's two. Bang. Tim's not too bad himself, mm. you know, <laughs> and, and, and Tim plays another role. You know, like it's very interesting when you look at the roles of how in excess are made up. And particularly of someone like me who's worked with them over their whole career and seen the dynamics of how it all has, has moved on, how it's, how it's worked. And if you'll indulge me for yeah. a minute, like, you know, the, the first person I met in the excess was Kirk. I mean, he turned up at a, with, um, I worked at Paradise Studios. I was doing an album with a band called Cold Chisel called East at the time. And, he, and, and there's this kid with spectacles and a criss-cross hairdo on the back and this tartan sort of waistcoat on, and he's hanging around with the technician at the studio, not the recording engineer. The technician was Dean somebody, I can't remember his last name, but a lovely guy. <coughs> and Kirk, it was Kirk Bengelli and he comes up to me and says, oh, you're Mark, aren't you? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says, I'm Kirk. I've got a little band called In Excess. And you know, we just, you know, it's really good to meet you. And be great one day, you know, you come and see one of our shows or something like that. I, in excess, I've never heard of In excess, you know, this is like, <laughs> yeah, 1979. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, 78, 79, yeah. something like that. And um, and I said, yeah, 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 sounds great. And then, I, but I always remember his haircut when he turned around walked away, it was all crisscross on the back of his hair, you know. <laughs> and um, so that's, that, that's, that, that, that's, that's, my first meeting. And then, then uh, I, I was made head of A&R at Warner Brothers, you know, after, after the, or during the East album. And my girlfriend at the time said, oh, you got to, you got to come and see this band in excess. I said, yeah, it's funny because I met one of the guys, you know, she said, you've got to see, you got to see this band. You're the head of A&R, you've got to see this band. And that's and it. Why haven't you know that's the only, you're the only person to ever mention it to me? And uh, and this I met the guy who was in the excess and then I was, then oh, by the way, have you seen all those funny posters around town that says inks everywhere? Uh. You know, because <laughs> I'd seen the signs, but yeah. I just thought it was inks, you know, it didn't, yes. did, did, didn't you get didn't click. Uh, and uh, anyway, so she says, Oh, they're playing at the Paddington Green opposite the Victoria Barracks, you know, you, you got it, you know, you got to go up there and check them out and you know if you're if you're smart you'll sign them straight away and so i said well you know hey julie i'm smart if i want to sign them i'll sign them and um you know i'm the head of amr and so <laughs> and so uh, i've gone up to um gone up to the greenwood tree what's called what i just call it before the Victorian yeah. Barracks there? Uh, the- yeah, across the, the pub. Uh, it used to be the Greenwood Trees, so Paddington Green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and um, so i go on upstairs and on stage, and as I get upstairs, my old mate Chris Murphy. And when I say old mate, he was the first person I played face-to-face to the album Yes. outside the Alberts family because he was their booker. Oh. He was at, for, for, at the yeah. booking agency. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I saw Chris. And he says, yeah, you know, and uh, so you're managing the bands. He said, yeah. I said, fuck, man, I'm head of A&R. Let's do a deal. Let's sign. And <laughs> I hadn't heard anything. I hadn't heard, all I could see in the background was this skinny kid on stage is doing Mick Jagger moves and people jumping around playing this e-oh, 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 music, you know, like it was all jerky music, you know. And 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 he, said, he looked at me and he said, where were you two days ago? Chris said that. Um, I said, "What do you mean?" And then I looked behind him. And there's Michael Browning, ah, Deluxe, standing, yeah. sta- standing there like the guy, the manager out of Spinal Tap. The only thing missing <laughs> was a cricket bat. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm, I'd, I'd known Michael for a long time because of ACDC, obviously, with mm. Vanda and Vandering Young for Power Age. And, um, and he said, "I have signed with Deluxe." We signed the band Deluxe uh, two days or a week ago, whatever it was. Oh. And so it's we we're with them for two albums. And so I said, You're kidding? And I said, Yeah. And I said, Oh, well, that's unfortunate. Because <laughs> <And>, uh, <laughs> I'm clever. <laughs>
3: no, no. no just, but not was, quick. Uh,
0: yeah, no, no, I didn't say well, it, it wasn't, that, that wasn't the point. Mm. The no, point I was joking. Was, sorry. The, the, the point was, it was unfortunate. Uh, you know because it's because um, I knew what Chris was like I'd already sort of worked with him you know post the uh, he got involved after the Angels album not before and then Chris and I for, you know years later worked together on the models or whatever a few other projects along the way some made it some didn't and um, so we you know we had a healthy respect for each other at that point I better
3: let you go she said was a lesson in love. She said,
2: This was a love to end all love. Their soul never left us me. Their soul has a lot to love. Here on AR Guy in the sort of 78-79. and soon as mm. their two album deluxe deal is up you're suddenly producing Shibu Shavar working with Chris and then doing one song that led to two, well, to three uh, and then the album. Well, that,
0: that, well, that, that happened. Well, Then, I, I, you know, after a couple of years, it, um, I, I, as I mentioned earlier, I was doing the East album and then I was made head of A&R. So I was getting paid and royalties from Coltisle Chisel and all of a sudden, you know, uh, Warner Brothers have said to me, um, we want you to be head of A&R. And I said, I'm not interested. I'm going to London going to work on a, try and get into a studio there. And and then Warner Brothers said to me, well, come back with a list of what you what it's going to take for us to get you to be uh, head of a r So I, I sat down with my accountant and we came up with a list of things that, that would stop me going to England. <laughs> One, I had to be paid more money than the Prime Minister.
3: <laughs>
0: Two, t- t- I, had, I, had, I had to have a brand new BMW. Three, I had to have a, a first-class airfare, all expenses paid around the world every year. And just a ridiculous set of demands, you know? And they <laughs> said yes to everyone. <laughs> and so all of a sudden they said yes to everything. And um, and so I, I was, and anyway, to cut a long story short, the Cold chisel, you know, Circus Animals album came up and then the, the, the boss of Warner Brothers, he didn't like me coming in at 10 o'clock in the morning or 11 o'clock in the morning but I've been in <laughs> the studio all night so he said to me oh you know the circus animals album was a new deal we've done with cultures or where they're going to be paying for it themselves so with our deal with you uh, we'll just you'll just you won't get any money for doing the album you won't get your points for doing the album we'll just your wage which is big enough already will cover you for doing the album and I said no it's not going to work like that. And so I'm, I, if that's the way you want to work it, I'm leaving. And so I left. And this is I, I bought them the vinyls. I bought them Richard Clapton. I bought them Billy Field. I'd already done all that work in 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 the previous few years. I bought a you know did a Hitman album. I've done I fire a carpenter with was Swanee or whatever. Mm-hmm. All these things. And but when it came to that, where they c- trying to control my you know, the way that I was going to associate with the band, even though the band were now on their on their own deal. And I said, no, I resign. I'll go and do my own deal. So it was at that point I'd, I'd done Circus Animal. Then Chris got rang me up one day and said, I've got three songs I want to send you from In Excess. We're out, of, we're out of our deal. We've signed Gibson Kemp. We've gone. Who took over from me? We've gone to Warner Brothers and signed with Warner Brothers to the guy who's replaced you. And but I've got, you know, we've got control, not them. And I've got three songs, and I want you to pick the one that you want to produce. So he sent me over a song called Black and White, Johnson's Aeroplane, and the One Thing. Well, the three he sent me. So I've got my tape recorder and. At home, and I'm listening. You know, black and white, fantastic. Why would you change a thing? It's good as it is. Johnson's airplane, what potential, what potential, but not a hit. The one thing, it's got hit written all over it. But what are all these stupid bits of music doing after every chorus? Hmm. They, were, which was a they, it was old in excess mixed with yeah like the one thing that you hear but then all of a sudden they have a little Ew, bah, it's e- just the- its
2: just those early recordings were busy weren't they
0: yeah they mm-hmm. had this, this, this these little busy sections would turn up which was yeah. like disrupt the feel the sort of in, infantile
2: up- flourishes that they were seeing
0: oh, yeah, yeah. that like musical things that just were odd little yeah. madness specials type yes. things you know yeah yeah yeah. and so I so grabbed a song and I just cut every one of those pieces out. Put it back together again. Went over and had a meeting with him. I said, "This is the one. I want to do the one thing. Black and white's great. Johnson and playing great. We'll get around to those. But the one thing. And then, uh, then I, then I, and the way I want to do it is build the song. And you mentioned this last week or a couple of weeks ago when I was listening to something about arrangement tape about Michael. You were talking about Michael building a song up. Oh, his um, vocal
2: escalation and
0: things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that's exactly what I said to Michael. I said, Each chorus, and you go back and listen to it you'll hear it. I want each chorus to get stronger and stronger and stronger. And so we we build up each, you know, because we ain't got a lot to play with. Yeah. And and so we sat and we did this one song and um and Timmy, I always remember, you know, I'd use the whole band except I had, hadn't used Tim at this point. And Tim would be sitting up with his guitars all set up. I'm ready to go in anytime you want. Me. It sounds great, mate. It sounds great. I love what you're doing with it. It's just sounding fantastic. I'm ready. I'm ready to play. Uh, yeah. Um, I haven't got anything for you yet, Tim, to play. You know, this is the lead guitar <laughs> player, because there's no solos. You know, in, in, in this stuff. And in, and eventually, obviously, you know, i got him to go. down down, down, down. You know, you know, to, yeah. uh, to get to reinforce Andrew and Kirk who are already playing that. And uh but, but that was a measure of the band that they were the fact that Tim wasn't involved didn't matter. He was just encouraging me all the time, it sounding great, sounding great, love what you're doing, this is great. I wasn't ever saying, Well, what about me? Yes. None of that, not one bit of it. And no. it's just this is a thing that gets missed within excess, you know, and as I was alluding to before, everyone has a role to play in that band. Everyone,
2: we you know? we we do our deep dives when we talked about each each particular person, and what they sort of bring to the band, and you know Tim and Kirk did a lot of media, and I think you know for Tim he really essentially was the big brother who was the elder statesman. He was the the person to introduce the, the Michael and Kirk and Gary to the family. He was seemingly well, can leading I, the band. Can I
0: can I elaborate on that? Yeah, you know you got to remember that when they were at high school, Tim and Kirk were the two friends, right? And more importantly, they were the oldest. Mm.
3: Yeah.
0: Now, when you you're a year older than someone at high school, it's, you're it's a huge. lot older, it's or, huge, or yeah. two years yeah. older. It's huge. Mm. Tim and Kirk had cars and girlfriends. The rest of the band didn't.
3: Mm.
0: Yeah. Okay, Michael just was Michael, the poet. Oh, you're the singer. Well, where are you going to? do? You can, you can be the singer. Andrew always doing something.
3: You yeah. know,
0: I'm the, I'm the player. He's great, Johnny. He's a good drummer, he's, and he's even younger. He was <laughs> just doing told, Do what you're
3: told.
0: Oh, uh, we need a bass player. Okay, held auditions for a bass player.
1: He's got a fan. Bass,
0: <laughs> uh, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And Tim and Kirk said that. To him. And I said, and so why did Gary get hired? Because he was the only one that turned up for uh, the, the band. band.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you're how in. lucky! How lucky is Gary? Lucky, you Gary. You're in.
3: Uh, yeah, and it's, so
0: I, and, yeah. and the role that they all played is incredible, you know, like obviously Michael's a front man and and you know, and sometimes even the band forgets it. that's his job, mm. to take the glitter, to take mm. the paparazzi, to take the the fandom. That's his actual job as a front man. Mm. andrew's job is 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 to write come up with these hooks and these songs. And the real pity about Michael dying more. Just let alone that the, we've lost an amazing soul. It's just no one to stop say to Andrew, that's enough. Stop there. That's it. Right. Don't go any further.
3: And Michael so would
0: do that? I, exactly.
3: Yeah.
0: And and uh, Tim, just spokesman for the band. Many times I've watched a press conference, Michael Shine, a press conference. That's Why did you drop yeah. Kylie? Tim intercepts a question like it's yeah, a football. He
1: did. Grabs yeah. it,
0: grabs a question, turns it around into something else, makes everyone laugh. Everyone's forgotten about the Michael question, mm-hmm. takes it on. Mm. Gary on stage, the data bank, you know, t- because Tim used to be very busy on stage, skateboard, you know, being a foil for Michael, doing different things on stage, dancing around, being a foil, the only one that was really there for Michael, you know, as a, yeah. as a foil. Kirk sort of was in a way, but more... Tim, Tim had
2: more personality on the stage, you know. Yeah, he, uh, yeah,
0: but so 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 as I said, Gary the database notice he stands on Tim's side of the stage. Uh, Tim would turn around and go, "Look at Gary," and Gary to say, "E," you know. <laughs> in other words, what key does this? Tim didn't even have to say, "What key do I start the song in?" <laughs> Gary bang he knew the it. question, knew oh. it, and that's what Gary did really well. He was able to patch up everyone. Anyone wow, forgets anything? So bang, 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 bank. bang, bang. <laughs> yeah, and so he was a the bank? Then you've got Andrew, the the, the the musical genius, shut alone in his tower.
3: Yeah,
0: you know, famous. You know, I went to Wembley Stadium. I went around taking the, Wembley Arena before the stadium, taking photos. My Polaroid. I've got these shots. I took photos of the band and everything like that, solo photographs of everybody. Where the fuck's Andrew? And I find him sitting in a toilet, smoking <laughs> a cigarette, <laughs> reading a book. You know, hiding. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and you've alluded to that before same yeah. thing happened at Wembley Stadium when yeah. we couldn't finance it don't worry I know where it is yeah. <laughs>
3: and,
0: yeah. and all that um, and, but,
2: yeah. <laughs> let me throw a couple other names at you uh, and, and maybe related to things. names uh, Molly Meldrum
0: <laughs> um, uh, one of Australia's uh, you know an icon of, of, of uh, music of the, of the industry without yeah. doubt I mean the fact that he got um uh, the Wembley concert all wrong was unfortunate. Mm. Um, but um, that's because he relied on information that he shouldn't have relied on. Did, did he saw... confuse
2: it with another band or something like that? Like Roxas No, no. Or...
0: The, uh, Roxas was his band. I was doing a, the album Roxas. Yeah.
3: Uh, for Night the, Street uh, or something. Is that right? Night yeah,
0: Street. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Where are you now and all that sort yeah. of stuff. And, stand,
2: stand, Stand Back or whatever, the song was a great song.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I can't really remember a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. But um, um, but the um, but but Jun- uh, Juno had, had seen me experimenting with, you know, Rio's drums, Paris's guitars, Tokyo's vocals. Because everything was time linked, mm. so you could you could you know do all that. But in the end, after we recorded all these shows around the world, you know, let me like, get to Wembley and we go, well fuck, how can you not use Wembley? You know, yes. even though it's it, So, pretty much when the, the, uh, the what came out, it was accused of being doctored in the studio. Not one bit of it was doctored in the studio. Everything was real. Wembley was real. All the other uh, uh, with the, the first incarnation of life, baby life, it was real.
2: And said, I think in uh, I send a message there might have been a, well, I might have been burned few, there might have been a, a string that had broken in one of
0: no, them. No, no, what, 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 no. In, in Live Baby, it, Wembley, there were two things. There was um, the Gary's lead dropped out during one song, bass oh. player. Yeah. And so I, it, in, I went up to Glasgow where they were playing and recorded two bars of bass. Yeah. That's it. And at the start of Never Tear Us Apart sax Solo, there was heavy distortion on the first note. Yeah, you know the very first note of the sax solo. Yeah,
3: and yeah, so I yeah. got
0: I got Kirk. Just give me that first note again because I can't get distortion. Yeah. yeah, Just that's it. And and I did those at you know pre show in Glasgow.
2: One of the th- that. one of the discussion points in one of the earlier podcasts, I think I said that back when live baby live was july 13th 1991 and it was released and came out i mean there was no internet um in excess were coming from a country where if you brag too much you know you were cut down um they 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 i think that concert and everything about it was recognized more like 10 15 years later for how great it was in hindsight they should have just released the live at wembley gig instead of doing live baby live. Now that's not a criticism of you. No no
0: no that, no no no, that, no you're, right. That
2: to me, you're right. And that's being and more of a hallmark of that day and that achievement.
0: 100%. 100%. Yeah. And uh, and and that's in fact it, we were too far down the track with production and yeah. everything to to pull it. And and that's what we would have done because that came, you know, that was two months after the tour had finished, you know. This was this this was the band as I said it got this big flywheel momentum thing going. Even though they hadn't been touring, you know, hadn't played for a month or something before Wembley, they were just killing. They, were,
2: they, they, were, they, were, they the next day went and released. Sorry, went to the recording studio. Yeah,
3: they did
2: to do Shining oh. Star, and then by October, November, the live album was out. So we didn't no. have a long time, did you?
0: No, no, no. We did Shining Star, exactly. But everything was, you know, the the machine was too much. In yeah, of course. Now Wembley's. I told you before, yes. best show I'd ever seen. Yeah, you yeah. know, best. It's still the Wembley. The original Wembley video I mixed in two days, and I know Giles Martin's done a mix of it, which I don't like, and that's not me being catty, you know, because he's done a Sony mix of it recently. But my mm. original mix of that, which I did at Air Studios, at his father's studio, I just with just me, all I had was Michael's solo uh, camera, that's all I had to work with. Invented the crowd sound and did all that reverberation and stuff like that. I just. Thought, it's one of my favourite mixes of all time.
2: When you say invent yeah. the crowd job. sound, uh, mm. can you elaborate what that means?
0: Yeah, well, because you're in a stadium, there's reflections. Right. And so you want the reflections to be even. Right. So uh, at, whereas in Wembley, it, they'll just be semi. It's like it's not a circle; it's an oval, so they'll just be swimming. Yeah. So what you do is I put a on the on the faster songs I put a 200 millisecond pre delay on a short reverb. And on the slowest songs, a four hundred millisecond pre delay on a short reverb. And oh, depending cool. on what what the that song was, I'd bring that onto the crowd and onto the band. Wow. So that would sound like that was a sound that was bouncing off the walls, it was yeah. the sound I was inventing to bounce off the walls.
2: So there's and almost bring... as much work
0: goes into the crowd sound as the songs. Oh, there was. <laughs> and and then and, and about the well, I mixed it because I had two giant reels. I mixed it like two giant songs. Yeah. And um And that's why it took uh, two or three days to do totally. So I just had. started with Michael, then I started with Johnny's kick drum, and that was it, and then I brought everything in to play. But again, all I had was Michael's solo camera to work with. I didn't have the the whole thing.
3: And 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 I'll never
0: forget, if I can just elaborate, when when, um, David Mallett put uh, the first two tracks together, now none of us had seen the show. (laughs) Johnny, Andrew and me, and Michael – Put the cassette in, watched New Sensation, and just went. Our jaws just Killed dropped. It.
3: <laughs> Killed
0: it. it. The shows have got so much better as they've gone on, technically as well as, you know, content-wise. I mean, but the great thing about both of you is that you're clearly such fans, not just of um, uh, of in excess, but obviously music in general, you know, and um, what a great meeting of the minds to have an English woman and an Australian man. You know, it gives it a real... <laughs> International feel, and I was talked to Nick Egan last night. We were we were chatting about the same sort of thing, so. and he was suggesting that we both do. Um, I think I saw it from you, uh, B, but, uh, or he was saying X. I, I said to him, "No, no, live, baby, live, man. You did the cover. I did the, I pre- did, I did, <laughs> ah, I did Wembley. Yeah. You did the cover. So that's probably if we, we work on uh, yeah something together. Yeah, that would be the the Wembley." Thing, I think it'd be Because we were both there Obviously And both had our impressions Of what went on Backstage on stage, You know Post-stage Pre-stage You name it You know And yeah. the whole
1: Without like, a doubt Hayden will work His magic And make a little show so That we can have Both of you on Definitely
3: No waving And no cigarette lines Please This is Felicia Brick Carverdale This Foxy From San Francisco This is In the dark at night Those small arms. I'm an I need to
2: call you. We've made it to the end of episode 41 As I like to sort of uh, tell at the end of every episode It feels like we're at war and somehow we've made it to the other end of the line um, A bit of work goes into these episodes, doesn't it, B?
1: Just a little, just a
2: little. A little bit from me and a lot from you.
1: No, come on. I know you do a huge amount of research and sitting down.
2: (laughs) Mark did remind me that uh, I have a very generous co-host who gives me the floor and a forum to share. And I do appreciate that. I want to say that to you with a full gamut of of respect, um, plus all the work you do behind the scenes. So thank you.
1: You're very welcome, Hayden. Teamwork.
2: All right. But uh, we normally go to this little part where we like to acknowledge some of the fan engagers who have really sort of stimulated uh, conversation activity pre the Zuckerberg shutdown. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, anyone who stands out, be who has sort of come into the community and or has just been sharing stuff throughout
1: want to give a big shout out to bruce veron um amazing guy um he's an avid in excess fan who hopes to gather in excess fans from around the world one day for an event bless him but this time around it's 63rd birthday and he's having an incredible variety of exotic supercars and muscle cars hot rods i think cigarette racing boats it's going to be amazing and um, he's been doing these sort of things for 50 years um, and has gathered a cream of the crop of fast vehicles and racing boats to celebrate his up-and-coming birthday with cars boats people at an amazing location it's going to be at Gilbert's Resort in Key Largo Um, It's going to be listening to In Excess Music and Stages Swimwear and Bikini Contests and some cake, he says. Um, It sounds amazing. He did invite us over to um, America, but we can't really go. And um, he wanted the band to come and everything. So happy birthday. Really do wish you a happy birthday. And we'd love you to become a patron one day as well because we'd love to share some of the things we have. There's a couple of Natalie's. I kept getting... Natalie's mixed up So one keeps getting in touch with me Via our inbox And one's been emailing me Unfortunately not (laughs) Because she she would be in by now Um, So Natalie's I have sent you messages So please pick those messages up Okay and then on our Twitter followers I'd just like to mention a few names I've got Rosie A Misunderstood A a Kate Precious Sound like poor names don't they um, a yeah. Um, yeah, welcome Carlos, Ant Evans, Tammy, and Diane.
2: Awesome, guys. Well, look, it's really great that you're participating and sharing, uh, you know, your love of the band. And look, keep being engaged. And if you want to sort of take the next step and jump into the patron league, we would love to have you, uh, and love to get you know, get to know you better. And you know, we're probably due for a zoom call soon with the newer patrons and some of the more uh, mm. experienced patrons pretty soon because it's been been some time. Um, but yeah, as I said, we, we love uh, sharing and hearing and, and knowing that you exist. And uh, thank you for your, for your contributions.
3: I'm in with the in crowd. I go with
2: the All right. In well, crowd. Uh, obviously, with the Mark Opitz episode, we're probably one uh, episode in of a two part special, which uh, we look forward to. You know, potentially putting out next week, we might even wait a week later, but we're going to do a two parter with Mark overall anyway. One thing, B, we are excited about, we can announce, I think, is in probably a few weeks' time, uh, both Mark and Nick Egan are keen to come on together. Yes. Uh, which is pretty cool. So, around the uh, Live Baby Live time, uh, you know, Wembley, et cetera, both of those uh, esteemed gentlemen were heavily involved in the production that day and the photos and all of the things that made that, uh, uh, I guess, concert and experience so successful. Uh, so we are and we, we can sort of say that I think they were both in contact with each other via UB, I think.
3: Yes,
1: I got uh, them in contact with each other.
2: You were sort of the, uh, you know, the, the mediator, mediator. Not mediator, <laughs> but you were the allocator <laughs> of numbers in between and they had a good old uh, gas bag, as we say, and chat.
3: Mm. But
2: uh, we will be doing a, an episode with both Nick Egan and, and Mark Opitz together around the Live Baby Live uh, Wembley gig and time, and uh, uh, that'll be something to look forward to. Um, that aside it is tribute song time and I guess uh, you know for Mark um, I did make the slight mistake the other other path in the interview I said oh well, you know Mark was so big when blah 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 and I think I might have used the word past tense uh, in in, comment, in oh, commentating how big you he did. was <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I actually what still I wanted working. to sort of do
3: he's <laughs> still
2: working and he's still doing great things since my kudos to his work with the ABC and everything. But what I was trying to emphasise was probably more for, say, some of the American listeners and the UK Mm -hmm. listeners was that he was so big in the establishment of Australian music and the growth in the 70s and 80s and 90s of Australian music. And there's a particular song and a particular theme that we've established early in the episode about Sophisto Punk. And, you know, Mark sort of explained a bit about the origins of that and uh, one of the particular bands and one of the songs that sort of, you know, connected that. Uh, with that type of, uh, you know, adjective. The band we mentioned earlier was the Angels. The Angels to me be, um, I'm not sure how familiar you are with them, but, you know, if you were turning on FM radio in Australia, they would be played every day. I've always personally felt like song for song, depth for depth, album for album. They were a superior band to ACDC. Now it might be controversial there. They were on the same label um, as ACDC, but always felt like they had, a, a you know, a, a bigger depth and a, a bigger variety in their palette of music. But one of the songs, Mark, maybe alluded to a little bit earlier and and, and a very famous song by this particular band, The Angels, uh, that was a massive sort of hit here and probably radio staple was uh, Am I Ever Going to See Your Face Again?
1: Oh, good choice. Now, yes.
2: this particular song, we're probably going to put on the live version where there is a little bit of audience participation. And if you can't decipher the lyrics of what the audience says back, Well, you know, listen closely because they are quite uh, blue in their nature. So it is a bit of a refrain uh, to the uh, statement, I'm never going to see your face again. But uh, this was really, you know, Mark's production taking a song that was originally a little bit slower in tempo. Be like heaven sent, and ramping it up, you know, to a much more urgent level, and really giving the song the impetus that took it to that next level. So, I guess, you know, uh, our episode of uh, Magnus Opus uh, <laughs> does conclude. I, I do want to thank Mark for his uh, time uh, on the call today. Thank you for everything you've done for Australian music and everything, you know, through the industry uh, as a whole. And I know from Inaccess's point of view, um, you know, they love you to bits. You know, in terms of just, you know, what you've done for them. So it's a goodbye from me.
1: And it's a thank you, Mark. And it's a goodbye from B. Bye. <laughs>